0: Welcome to the HeartStrong Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lindberg. Like many of you, I'm living a life that I just did not expect. And over the years, I've come to value the idea of living heartstrong, of growing through the challenges in my life, and let's face it, the challenges in our times. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. So each week, I talk to thought leaders, authors, experts, and everyday amazing people Who have something to teach us all about living fully amidst our struggles. I have learned so much from others along my journey, and so I hope that my guests will help you on yours. Let's get started. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Morgan Motzinger. Morgan is a social entrepreneur and a speaker. She's an interior designer of Annika Interiors, a firm that has a niche, a niche expertise in designing spaces for families caring with children with disabilities and special needs. She's a mother of three she has one beautiful daughter with a rare disease um, and a special needs, which you'll hear about today. Morgan is known for her innate ability to deeply connect and understand her clients' needs, and she uses her skills to make their spaces functional and beautiful. Additionally, she's a four-time entrepreneur, including the co-founder of Lot 35 Homes and Sweet Bee Coaching. She brings her extensive expertise in both personal and professional level to each client that she meets. So I am really excited to have you on the podcast today, Morgan. I know we had some technical difficulties getting here, but here we are. So we I'm happy it. you're here. We did it. Welcome to the podcast.
1: It feels very appropriate, actually, that we had some <laughs> issues come up and that we're just like, we're going to figure this out, like in true disability parent fashion. We're fashion. like, we don't know what's going on. 100%. Things are outside of our control.
0: We're going to figure it out. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I think it makes us so adaptable. Don't you feel like that? Like you just like, okay, everything's upside down. We're going to figure out how to make it work. I think that's one of the gifts of having kids with illnesses and disabilities that we just didn't expect. So we're here for it. We're flexible and we
1: don't fall apart when, when things don't go our way.
0: We're like, okay, like,
1: Suit
0: We're up. Gonna We're going to figure, gonna figure out. this out. Yep. <laughs> That's right. I love that. Yes. Yes, ma'am. All right. So let's get started. Um, Morgan, you are, I- I've loved getting to know you. You're a wholehearted woman and an entrepreneur, uh, which both of which I love and you're super creative. So I just want to like hear from you, tell our guests how you discovered this gift of yours or maybe how it found you.
1: okay. So the, as far as the interior design, uh, that really started when my kids were, my littlest was six months old. I was, I had been a stay at home mom for eight years and I just needed something creative outside of my house to do. Uh, I was going a little bit stir crazy. And, uh, I was reading, uh, Joanna Gaines book, And she said in there that she didn't have a degree in interior design. And I was really interested in decorating and design. I had done a lot of stuff in my own house, always super crafty. But when I read that and I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I could do that. And I don't have to have like a degree in this. Mm -hmm. So in Oregon, you don't, Uh, in some States you do, but in Oregon, you don't. And so I just decided to start this little side hobby business and, I absolutely fell in love with it. I fell in love with the experience that my clients had. Well, at, at the time they were my friends, you know, I was just doing a little, little projects for them. I fell in love with the experience of having them walk through the door and just, you could see in their, on their faces, in their bodies, like, <sighs> like that sense of like, oh, like walking into a finished space that felt like them, that felt like uh, their personalities and that also fit the needs of their family. I was like, yes, this is That's this it. is what I want to do, and so they started to tell friends in word of mouth. I live in a pretty small area, uh, so word traveled fast, and I started doing more projects. And I was like, oh, maybe this isn't going to be a hobby. Maybe this is a business. Maybe I should figure out how to run the business side of things. And so not only did I dive headfirst into what interior design could look like, but I also dove headfirst into the business side of things, and I thought, you know, if I was going to deliver the type of experience that I wanted for my clients, I, ha- I had better figure out the back end of things so that all the mm-hmm. invoicing and the admin work and um, all of those things that you don't kind of think about on the front end of a business. I really started to dive into that, and then that led to like marketing and sales and uh, all of these things that I. I didn't anticipate how much I was going to absolutely love that side of things. So that's how, that's how that started from just this kind of little baby idea of just a little hobby kind of side project to this full blown business that ended up turning into, um, whole home remodels and furniture and decor and opening a retail space. And then the business bug had bit me and I opened up another couple of businesses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. this year has been interesting as I have learned, um, how how much I have overstretched myself uh, in my great ideas of like all the things that are possible. Uh, discovering it really is not healthy for me to pursue all of them, and so little by little I've just been kind of pruning back um, what I what I had been doing, and really coming up with these two solid businesses now that are are my full time focus besides my children.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's such a common thing. There's two things you said that I wanted to just, you know, stop on for a second. One was that when you are an entrepreneur, when you do things, there are so many things in the back end that people never see. And I know, you know, I'm an entrepreneurial person and there are days where I just feel so bogged down in the back end of details. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you want to put something out in the world, but, you have to also do these other pieces and it can be lonely. And so, but it is part of it. And I think it's so important to just be really honest about that, that there are so many of us out there who are kind of slogging behind the scenes, doing these mm. things to do, to, to, but you know, that's part of it. And so, and that's okay. Right. And that's just, um, I don't know, just something I think people don't talk about enough, about the reality of that piece of it. And if we just acknowledge it, then we can feel less alone when we're doing all of that, right? Absolutely.
1: So much of entrepreneurship really is like what we talked about at the beginning of this, of you just bump into things all the time that you don't know how to do and that you didn't know you had to do. And with each phase of business growth, you kind of earn bigger and bigger problems and thankfully, yeah. they don't come all at once. Well, sometimes they do, but it's it's that habit of building up the resilience and the kind of uh, mentality that says, "I can figure this out. So when those bigger, bigger problems do come, you're like, all right, you're already ready to go. And it's it's the same feelings over and over again of like inadequacy, learning how to do it, showing yourself that you can do it in success. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's the pattern over and over and over again. And I, and I think maybe that's why, um, I was primed for entrepreneurship uh, is because my experience with Annie over and over and over again, that's the same pattern. It's like something new came up with her. I, I wasn't sure how to address it. And so I'm talking to people who know what they're doing. I'm researching on my own. I'm figuring it out. Okay. Like we did it. And then the next thing comes and then the next thing comes. And that's just I think that's true of life uh, in general. Um, but, but for families with special needs kids, disabled children, it really is like a a heightened experience. You're kind of thrown into the weeds a lot of times because, you know, sometimes it is like a a life and death situation with your kids and you have to make those kinds of decisions. Um, But if for families that don't have um, children with additional needs, um, entrepreneurship is going to definitely give you that same, that same taste of what it's like to just be in over your head a lot and learning how to do these things and the type of person that you have to grow into, uh, to rise to the challenge each and every time.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, you hear a lot of people say this and it's so true. You have to be willing to fail, right. And to do things wrong and then to refigure it out and do it again. And, and I do think that, does come, and like you said, from having Annie, and I want you to tell our listeners a little bit more about her, but it comes from having challenges in our life. And that's really you know what we talk about a lot in this podcast is how do we grow through challenges. Mm. And I'm really a big believer of embracing the life that we have, embracing the challenges that we have, because when we grow through those, it just spills over into other parts of our lives in such a beautiful way. So in your example, it's like you've had this personal life challenge with your family, but it spilled over to create success and beauty in your business. And I love that so much because when we have hard things happen to us, it's so easy to sit in the "why me?" Why did this happen mm. to me? And feel stifled, especially mothers. And uh, you know, there I know there are mothers listening to us who are like, "I have a dream of something that I want to do, or a business, mm. or something that I'm called to," and yet I have this life circumstance that makes it really difficult for me to do anything that I want to do. So I want you to talk to us about that. Like, tell us about how you have held this tension of Annie and her needs. Tell us about Annie and then how you've developed this business because I think it's such a beautiful. Model model for women out there who are living, a, you know, maybe a slightly different story, but a similar circumstances or having those feelings?
1: Yeah, I think in, in both realms of entrepreneurship and um, having children with additional needs is to not go it alone. So mm. I, uh, you know, Annie was in school. And so I was working on my business while my two older kids were in school. So Annie's 13. Now I have a 10 year old and now a six year old. And, uh, you know, when I, when I started my business, I would tote my little guy with me everywhere. He was six Mm -hmm. months old. So he would be going to the stores with me to go to client's houses with me. But, um, Annie was in school and that, uh, I really think was the only way that enabled me to do the type of work, uh, in the way that I wanted to, is because I had additional help. I also, my husband is incredibly supportive. And so, Um, you know, he would be with the kids when I needed him to, or I was working at night too. um, Because a lot of this, like you said, so much of this business types, (laughs) the business things are on the back end, you can do them on your computer, you know, they don't have to be out in the wild or out with your clients. And so I was doing a ton of things at night after my kids already went to bed. Um, But I think, you know, something that you said about rising, rising to the challenge, um, and what failure is, is having the mindset shift that failure is just feedback. Failure mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything about me. Failure doesn't mean that I'm a failure. Failure just means that I tried work and so I can try something else. And if we can go through life with that mentality, whether it's in our personal life or in our business, where we say, okay, what is this? What What can I learn from this? Uh, Mm -hmm. If nothing else, I can learn how to feel my feelings (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then move through those. Don't let those things crush us and completely, uh, you know, stifle our dreams or make us feel like we're on the wrong track or that we can't do it or that we can't figure it out. Those are the things that are going to completely crush us and keep us uh, stuck where we are. Uh, But when we can view failure just as like, this is awesome. This means that I'm doing something new. This means that I'm doing something that's pushing me to grow then failure becomes a friend instead of an enemy.
0: Mm -hmm. I love how you said it's just feedback because it's so true. It's like, okay, I'm learning something about myself. And then we get to decide, you know, for me, I've had, you, you had these experiences and then you get to decide, okay, maybe this isn't for me in the way that I thought. So I'm going to take something that I learned and move to something else or I, oh gosh, I want to get better at this. You know, this happened and I'm going to get better. And I think it's important at, at those junctures to be honest with ourselves and say, it's okay to have, just take it as as information, right? To continue mm-hmm. to grow or to change gears. That both of those things are the beautiful parts of failure or disruption in our lives. Um, you know, recently you you've kind of shifted your business, and you alluded to that in in the in the first part of the podcast that you've you 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 had a lot of things you were doing, and I can totally relate to that. I am totally the same way. Um, this past year and a half for me has been a, a pruning of sorts, also. So I'm totally in that with you. But you've readjusted your business, I think, to places that you feel really called to in places that your experience and expertise really of life can be a gift to others. So just t- take us through those where you've kind of landed at this point and how you've adjusted and why.
1: Sure. So I, I've been doing residential interior design for the last five years. And a couple of years ago, I, had, I was at this retreat for um, female CEOs And, you know, it was a smallish group and we each had our little, our turn in a hot seat and where we got to talk about some of our business struggles. And I don't remember how it came up, but it was this like realization, this collective realization that Morgan, like you can do this type of work with families that you emotionally connect with because you know what they're going through. And it was like, Mm -hmm. ah. And it took me a couple of years to like get up the guts to actually do that because I had built a really profitable, successful business with my husband. And what I was doing was effectively turning away work, turning away Mm -hmm. profit to then follow this new um, trajectory. And so it was, it was scary. Um, to do that. But I, I do feel so aligned with that. Um, I do have a, a personal mission of um, that I will be willing to go first in the realm of vulnerability that allows other people to feel seen and heard and not alone. Um, but what requires that, What what is important in creating a space where people feel comfortable doing that is that somebody has to be willing to go first and say, this is what I'm struggling this with. This is how this feels for me. And then other people are like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, like this this is okay for me to talk about this then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that means is that it, it lends itself to being um, in this business, a space where parents don't feel alone and that they feel like, oh, okay, like my child's behaviors are totally cool to have that happen around Morgan. That's what I want for my clients. I want them to feel like, she gets me because yeah. it is such a personal intimate thing to be in someone's home, especially when we're talking about, you know, future needs for their children. These are like big emotional decisions. And so yeah. just having that, uh, that layer of support, emotional support there for someone who says like, I get it, I get it. Mm-hmm. And is is able and willing to ask the hard questions and to not be afraid to talk about things like, surgeries or what their child's needs are going to look like in the future or death. I mean, so many people are not willing to go there. They don't know how to go there. And in this um, journey with Annie over the last 10 years, as uh, as we got her diagnosis and have moved through all the stages of grief and seeing what's ahead of us coming for her, um, it makes me very willing to go to those hard, like dark places with people because that's where we're going. Like to, mm-hmm. to ignore that is to fight against reality and you will lose every single time if you do that.
0: Yeah. So real quick, I'm sure our listeners are thinking to themselves, what is Annie's diagnosis? Uh. And, and so let's just quickly like go there because I think that that really provides context for the conversation.
1: Sure. So Annie has a rare genetic disease, um, and it's a mouthful. So I'll tell you the full name, and then I'll give you the the acronym for it. So it's mucopolysaccharidosis type three subtype A. So MPS for short, or for this particular type, it's called San Filippo syndrome. So she is missing an enzyme that breaks down some of the um, usually recycled material in cells so usually your cell is really good at bringing in what it needs and then recycling and getting rid of the stuff it doesn't. Her cells are missing the garbage man, basically. So all of this material builds up in her cells, damages the cells. It's a neurological and physical condition, which means that not only is it impacting her body, but it's impacting her brain. So mm-hmm. um, it has been dubbed like a child at Alzheimer's because of how um, it impacts The neurological function for these kids. Um, Her type is uh, one of the more severe types of MPS. I think there's, there's either seven or nine different types of MPS. And then there's like subtypes within that because they all kind of fall into this lysosomal storage disorder disease. Um, So that's what Annie, that's what Annie has. She, um, we got her diagnosis when she was three and a half by some like almost kind of fluke circumstances, which I'm so grateful for. I know many parents go through years of having misdiagnosed, um, misdiagnoses for their children. So I'm very, very grateful for how we found out. Um, but she was three and a half when they told us, uh, and they called us and said that her blood test came back with this for a genetic disease and it wasn't good. And, uh, I said, well, can you tell me what it is? And the genetic counselor, said it again and I said well can you spell it and she said well don't get off the phone with me and go google that and i was like that's exactly what I was going to do what of course I'm going to ex- yeah. <laughs> <first I'm gonna laughs> google it like everybody googles yeah. it you know and she said well h- i don't want you to do that let's see if we can get you in like today to talk about this with you cuz i at this point i was still thinking like oh it's no big deal like it's mm-hmm. okay i don't know what that means sure whatever and uh, then i found out that um, not only is it a degenerative disease, so all the skills that she had gained up to that point for a typical three-year-old, you know, she knew her ABCs, her colors, she was talking, running around, working on potty training, that she not only was going to lose all of those skills uh, and have greater physical impact and neurological impact, but that also uh, the life expectancy for kids that have this is mid-teens, So, I mean, you can imagine I'm picking my little three-year-old up from preschool and just Mm. absolutely floored thinking, how do I only have, you know, another 10 to 13 years with her? How is this possible? That was, I will never forget that day. I will never forget that diagnosis day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the day that everything changes, right? That's the day that you, (laughs) life is not what you expected it to be. And I think that, you know when we have those moments, the question becomes, how will we integrate this into our life? Mm -hmm. Like, how will we adjust and how will we integrate? And I think that's what you're doing. And I, and I know that you give that inspiration to other people. You know, we all need to see other people have a diagnosis that takes your breath away and mm. creates beautiful things in their life. And you're you're doing that. Um, and I know, you know, in my life, I needed and need to see other women doing that because I'm doing the mm. same thing. And, um, you know, as humans, it's like we need others. I was thinking this morning, like this is a little bit of an aside, but how beautiful the the choice to continue is right mm. and how when we have these tragic things in our lives you know the first thing we want to do is you know give it the finger and run away right and just not have to <laughs> do you know like like i'm out you know mm-hmm. and that the choice to say okay i have this my whole life is not going to be anything that i expected it to be and I'm going to somehow let this continue to be, help me become the woman that or the man that I'm created to be. Mm. And I think it's a slow process. I don't think we consciously mm. do that. Like that day, you were not thinking that, but you've allowed that to be in your life. You've allowed the, the you have embraced the will to continue. Like, what are some things that help you do that? Hmm. That's a great question. I I'm so glad
1: that you said that, you know, this, that happens over a long period of time. And so, you know, there's a great line in a song that says you can't rush your healing. Mm. You, you really can't. I mean, it, you can be intentional about it. Yes, Um. certainly. And sometimes, sometimes things do change in an instant. Uh, surprisingly, you know, like one day you think one way and something happens and you think a different way. Uh, so there are things that we can do to contribute to our healing and our growth. Um, and, and some of it is, it just, it just takes time. Like I really, in the beginning, I was just like, I was drowning. I was just trying to keep my head above water, (laughs) like not only dealing with this myself, but also like telling her grandpa and grandmas, Mm -hmm. her aunts and uncles, her little friends at school. I mean, I didn't tell her little friends at school, but telling her teachers, you know, like that was that was all I could do to just keep my head above water at that point. And so um, it took a lot of years for me to get to this point where I was emotionally able to consider doing something beyond um, what I was doing, just all the research and um, doctor's appointments and everything that has to happen in the beginning, as you're just trying to like figure things out, how do you help your child? Um, so it does take time. But I think um, the, the thing that has been the most powerful in my life is, this sounds so simple, but it's, it really has such a big impact is paying attention to my thoughts, mindfulness, awareness, -awareness. self-awareness. If I'm constantly saying in my mind, like this isn't fair, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why Annie? Why this disease? It shouldn't be happening like this. That is what keeps you stuck and small because it's, um, Oh, and I feel like I want to be careful here because I am, I'm so deeply sensitive to how painful this is. Um, but it can be very, what I don't want to be boxed in as a victim of my circumstances. So yes, this has happened to me. This was outside of my control. But now what am I gonna do with that? What is my yes. personal responsibility here? Not not like to make the best of a bad situation, but to <laughs> live, you know, to like live. life, life didn't stop with that diagnosis. It just changed course. And so right. how am I going to, on that new course now, live life to the fullest? Because that's what I want for Annie. That's what I want for Annie, is that every day I want her to have something in her life where she understands how deeply she is loved, to be um, a part of things that she really enjoys doing, whatever that looks like, however her needs change. I want every day for her to be full of life. And that is the gift that I give myself too, is I want every single day of mine to just be full of life. And sometimes that life looks like grief, that's yeah. part of the human experience too. And sometimes that part of life looks like monotony in the mundane. And sometimes that part of life looks like, I didn't even know this was possible for me. Yeah. This is amazing. So it's the full yeah. spectrum of the human emotion as we just continue to navigate normal, <laughs> whatever right. normal happens whatever to that look that like is. for us. Right? right. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think you're talking about holding tensions right mm-hmm. you're talking about holding tensions of the mundane and joy and excitement or grief and you know happiness like these are this is this is what struggle when we embrace the life that we have and decide to be the full spectrum of who we are mm. you know the interior designer and the mom to the child that's very ill like those are not two competing things. Those are two things Mm. that can really enhance one another. And I think that's what you're doing, you know, in your business. That's how I see it. And I wanted to ask you about home in our space because I know I'm very impacted by my surroundings. I, you know, I like things to be organized. I like, and maybe it's because my life sometimes feels disorganized, Mm. so I want my space. But talk about how important that is, for for humans in general for us as people but then especially in the clients that you're intentional with working intentional in working with sure so i you're you're totally right whether we're aware of it or not our home
1: environment really does impact our emotional health so some of that is uh even just even just like on a neuroscience level how our brains catalog everything that we own our our brains don't forget anything and so you come into a room and you visually see all of these things, like you're taking that in. That's, uh, Mm -hmm. that's information that's getting into your brain and you're aware of your surroundings. And so, um, for me, I'm very similar to you. Like I like things to be clean and organized. I'm, I I like things to be a little bit minimal. I'm, I mean, I have three kids, so there's like toys everywhere and like (laughs) art supplies all all over the place all the time. Um, but in general, uh, I think that that is, that is true for everybody. How, how we feel in our home environment impacts how we are out in the rest of the world. I, I remember listening to a story about, you know, somebody was saying, well, you know, in, interior design isn't really that important. And, uh, and, and someone said, well, who has, you know, he does heart surgery that day and he's, you know, got a 12 hour shift or something. And he comes home at the end of the night and he comes home to a house that is calm and that is comfortable and that is aesthetically pleasing and that he gets to move around in his house. You know what? Her house. It's a heart surgeon. That's a woman who gets mm-hmm. to move around in her house in a way that just feels so good to her mm-hmm. and, reju- and, and helps her feel rejuvenated and rested. And so then she can go back the next day to work and serve her patients in the best way possible, and I think that's where it clicked for me. Where I was like, "Oh, this is this is the power of uh, not just interior design, but the power of like our home environments to be a place of rest and rejuvenation, so that when we go back in the world, like we're we're ready for it." Ready. When it comes to special needs families, um, we spend so much time at home,
0: so yes, much time do. at home
1: because. You know, it's difficult to be out in the world, whether or not it's, you know, a behavioral challenge or an accessibility challenge um, or just, you know, getting tired of people staring or asking questions or making rude comments or whatever. And so home is home is the, the safe place to be in, in it's all like the sanctuary. ways. a
0: sanctuary, don't you think? Yes. Like yeah, sanctuary. absolutely.
1: A sanctuary. Yeah. And so uh, so it is it's really important. The home environment super important. Um, for our families. And when, when those home environments do get crowded out with like medical supplies and equipment and, you know, we do in home, if you're doing in home therapies or Mm -hmm. whatever it can be, it can get very overwhelming. And so, um, so my, my goal is to focus on three things, safe, accessible, and beautiful. So we want, you know, we want the home environment to have as much safety as possible so that your family can all be integrated into the home together. Um, we want those places to be accessible for your children. Um, going back to the safety piece too, it's how how do we um, you know, take something like a bathroom, giving your kid a bath, you know, for for some people, like their child is small uh typically, so it's really easy to give them a bath and then they get older and they can do that themselves. I have a child that's like 85, 90 pounds. I have to give her a bath. Um, and so, you know, you're mixing water and soap and a heavy child and, you know, maybe a tight space. Yeah. So these are like, you know, it's safety concerns, accessibility concerns. And then also the beauty piece. We don't want it to look sterile like a hospital. Uh, we want it to be infused with personality and love and attention to detail um, in a way that just feels like home or whichever family it is. Mm-hmm.
0: I I appreciate that so much because, you know, I still remember when we got Bodie's first stander, um, mm. you know, and it it I literally like put it off in a corner for a couple days because I was like – I was having a hard time accepting it, number one. But number yeah. two, I was like, where am I going to put this? Where <laughs> is this going to go that looks nice? Yeah. What do I do with it? You know, and so we have our homes and our space, and then we're asked to accept something into it that isn't. Ex- let's just be honest, aesthetically pleasing. It doesn't mm-hmm. go with our decor, doesn't go with our plan for our house, or what we want it to re- be representative of when people come over. And then it—it's like all these layers, right, of of emotion that that come into our space. And so I love how you talk about creating space that is rejuvenating and feels like our personalities. I think the other piece that really struck me too is that, you know, when we have something that is in our life, like I was even thinking of, let's just say my neighbor has a, has a mother who has gone through you know, a really horrible accident. And she was considering mm-hmm. bringing her to her house and redoing the office to bring in a hospital bed. And she, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was just so disruptive that idea. She wanted to take care of her mom, but she's like, this is my home. And it's like, how do you layer all of those things together? And that was a really overwhelming idea for her. So it doesn't even have to be, you know, our children. It could be a parent or, you know, something that we're adjusting to. And I think it's about what I what I think was beautiful about your work is like you're taking the whole spectrum of people. You're not just mm. putting things in silos. You're like, how do we live with what we have? Yeah.
1: And yeah. that
0: and, is a beautiful gift to offer to people. Yeah. Jess, I
1: think I think one of the things that you just touched on that kind of um, is integrated in the rest of our life is that piece of acceptance. Mm. I, I really in the earlier days struggled with like, I wanted to have live plants in my house. I just wanted plants. I wanted greenery. And um, it wasn't safe for Annie because she was at an an age where she um, was putting everything in her mouth and pulling everything down. And I was like, I know it's not safe for her. And so, but I felt like grumpy about that. Like I wanted my house to look a certain way. And it really was when I got to like, I'm just gonna accept that like my house needs to support the life that we live in it not this like ideal magazine worthy aesthetic. Like I definitely can have that. However, it also has to like meet the function and the needs of my family. And knowing, you know, it's it's funny now. I mean, it's not funny, but like I have live plants now because Annie's not mobile anymore. Mm-hmm. So it just is, you know, it's a continual acceptance of our reality and and understanding that, we need to be flexible in our approach, not not just in in life, but in our homes too. And say like, mm-hmm. yeah, I have this, you know, I have a purple rifted chair that I don't have purple mm-hmm. anywhere else in my house. Um, but that's Annie. I mm-hmm. I need that here for her, and because I have that here, it means that I have her here. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a very gentle way to reframe the the grumpiness about not having things the way that I want them to. I'm like, this rifted chair means that. Annie still lives at my house, mm-hmm. and that is a that's a beautiful thing. It's a it's a beautiful way to accept and integrate reality into also what I want.
0: Mm-hmm. And I and we we live in such a visual world, you know, Instagram and and everything else, and you know, people work so hard <laughs> to make mm-hmm. their lives look such a way that maybe they feel comfortable with other people seeing, or mm-hmm. that gives a persona that they've accepted even if it's not the real one that they have, you know? And I, I think that that is such a dangerous thing mm-hmm. because I think it isolates the reality that people, ha- everyone has something. And we want to give almost the sanitized perception of our lives, but yet we might turn off the camera and go in our bathroom and have a cry. Right. Mm. So it's like, how do we model for people that you can have a beautiful home and desire, you know, gorgeous decor, which I loved also, you know, and. You can be honest about the reality of your life, and that you're working to accept it, and that I have a purple chair in my house that I wasn't <laughs> expecting, or an orange stander in my case, and a green gate trainer, and <laughs> it's okay. You know, it, it, yeah. we can somehow do that together. Um, I think the world needs that.
1: Well, for sure, and if we think about like the the risk that we feel by showing up as our true selves. So the mm-hmm. the challenge is either we show up as this masked up, non-vulnerable non-vul- person because we want to be accepted. But even when we're accepted, even that suspect, because we know they're not accepting the real us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we feel like, well, what's going to happen if I show the real me and I'm rejected? The reframe of that is what if I... When I show the real me, let's see who comes out of the woodwork and accepts me for who I really am. Yeah. So to, to move through life, uh, never risking being truly seen is not to live life at all. Mm-hmm. But it is, I mean, it is like, it takes some guts to be like, okay, this is who this I am. Is this yeah. is what I care about. This is what I love. These are, these are the dark parts of me that I don't particularly like. Yeah. Here's all of me. And that is when you will find not only that other people then are going to give themselves permission to be who they really are, but also yep. uh, to to really feel that unconditional love from other people.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what creates community, right? That's what, mm. that's what creates community. Authentic so, connection for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm wondering if there's a woman listening to this conversation and because I think probably mostly women are listening. <laughs> and she's in a similar circumstance. She has a desire. She wants to start a job, or I'm sorry, start a start a business. She's living a life she did not expect. She's got things in her house she didn't expect to have. What, what would be a first step that she could take? What would be a way that she could, you know, with something she could do today, tomorrow, this weekend, next week, that would just kind mm-hmm. of get her moving in the direction of, of integrating her life that she has in her dreams because we can't silence those. Those are part of who we are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the first step is getting really honest with yourself. Mm. So um, if you're not honest with yourself, it really is impossible to be honest with anybody else. So if, if you have dreams that you've, you know, just kind of tucked away and kept hidden or have been really scared to voice, um, I would recommend just get out a piece of paper and allow yourself to think about mm. what's possible for you. And maybe maybe at this point it doesn't even feel possible. That doesn't matter. At this point just write down the most wild, unimaginable, amazing things that you can think of that you want to do. Like no dream is off the table. Yeah. No goal is off the table. Like write it all down and there's something, you know, somebody said the most important book that you'll ever read is the one that you write about yourself. This is why I'm such a huge advocate for journaling. Um, And if, if you don't like the term journaling, like uh, doing a a brain dump where you're just getting your thoughts out of your head onto paper. So this is a very practical and incredibly powerful first step. Just write it down, write those dreams down and then take a look at them and say, okay, am I being totally honest about what I really want? If you are, it's probably going to scare you. And it's probably going <laughs> to feel like, how in the world can I, how can I do this? <laughs> yeah. um, and then you can really start to take like little bite-sized pieces of that and start to ask yourself, okay, why do I want these? Like, what is this? What does this uh, mean about myself? What does this light up in me when I, when I read this or when I admit this? Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that the first step of actually bringing that into reality is acknowledging that you want that.
0: Mm. Yeah. Being honest. I, I think I totally agree with you. And I think we have to re-get honest with ourselves throughout our life, mm. right? Because when we can start and, and we say we want to do one thing or we do that and it goes back to the failure, you know, do I want to mm. keep going or shifting? And just that continuously being honest with ourselves about our needs, especially when we're in a caregiver role in our life, right? Because it's it's, mm. you know, as mothers and women, it's like natural to just give of ourselves and give of ourselves and give of ourselves so one morning we wake up and we're like who am i and what the heck am i doing and so you know that honesty is such an important thing i love that you said that i hope that um women listening will 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 do that and i know i'm a big writer and journaler and brain dumper it just mm-hmm. gets it up and out otherwise it just ruminates in our hearts, right? And that's just unhealthy for us. Um, You know, I've been thinking a lot about the gift of the present moment. I don't know if it's my age. Mm. I don't know if it's my watching my kids get older. Um, You know, I look at my son, Bodhi, and he has a very unknown future. I don't know what it looks Mm. like for him. And there are some really difficult things about the present moment. And yet it's like, I just find that I want to just stop time for some reason and just soak it all in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tell me about the importance of the present moment in our lives, even when they're difficult. Like, how do you embrace that?
1: Well, we can talk about what's real, <laughs> you know, like the mm. the past, the past only really lives in our memories. Mm -hmm. um, which are faulty at best. Everybody, you know, we know this when we talk about our talk with our siblings about a childhood experience, like that's not how I remember it, you know, So these things, the past lives in our, our memories, which are heavily tied to our emotions and the future Mm -hmm. only lives in our imaginations, um, again, which are heavily tied to our emotions. So if, if we're thinking about the future in terms of, um, only the hard things that are coming like that's that's what we're going to pay attention to as we move into it so really the only thing that exists is now 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 Now. Mm. and if if we what that doesn't mean is not thinking about the future not planning for the future uh not setting goals for yourself or or things that you want to achieve but it really is about understanding that the, the power of presence is what creates a deep and meaningful life. So um, mm-hmm. some of this in these hard circumstances with our kids, we don't want to be present because maybe being present is feels so painful right now. And so we're trying, we just try and scramble out of the grief or the mm-hmm. anger or the frustration, the, the feeling of being out of control and, mm-hmm. um, but when we do that, like those feelings, like you said, they don't go anywhere. They just end up getting into Stuffed our bodies in. and, and storing yeah. in our bodies and then influencing how we continue to move through life. And so the the beauty of being in the present moment is experiencing whatever happens to be in front of you in that moment mm-hmm. and understanding that, you know, what you said before that it's, we really don't live in an either or existence. We live in a both and existence. And so mm-hmm. Being able to hold space for ourselves, where I am equally so grateful um, for everything that has come as a result of, of Annie's diagnosis, and also being so grieved by it, holding mm-hmm. space for both of those things in those moments where uh, you know some of the the deepest, darkest things that I didn't know I could feel, I have felt uh, in the last ten years. Uh, just holding space for ourselves to feel those things um, and understanding that feeling them isn't dangerous. Feeling them is human is being human and allowing, allowing yourself to, to really live life Mm.
0: and not run away from it. Not run away from it. Yeah. What would you say um, are parts of your story that you're most grateful for that you would say, you know, I, I always say, um, You know, I have this line that I would say, I never would choose it, but I wouldn't trade it, you know? Hmm. And so what about your story? You're like, gosh, I am so thankful that I know this or understand this or have this. Hmm.
1: I think it is that the gift of the present moment. It really is. Hmm that um to live too much in the future and the unknowns does it, it can feel scary and sad when I think about mm-hmm. trading, uh, the grief that I currently have watching her lose her skills and, um, all of the, you know, seizures and Mm -hmm. stuff that comes with, with her disease at this point, knowing that at some point I'm going to be trading that for a different type of grief when I don't physically Mm -hmm. have her here anymore. Um, so what that encourages me to do is, is to soak up those moments and, Mm -hmm. and to create, um, powerful, positive memories now. So, you know, I'll be, if I'm sitting with her, I will close my eyes and take a deep breath and pay attention to what her hair smells like. And, uh, I'll look at the light in her, in her blonde hair and I'll feel her skin and just be in that moment with her and, and tell myself, remember this, remember this, remember this, remember this. Um that has been hands down the greatest gift of of all of this is just um learning how to embrace life in all the moments.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. That's and what a hard fought way to uh learn that, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I have a couple questions for you, kind of as we as we wrap up here together. Um I think we've covered this, you know, in our conversation, but, you know, what, what message would you have for, for others who are living a life that they did not expect? um, And, you know, so that they can live in peace. I think that it's hard Mm -hmm. to make peace with things, right? I mean, I I think we're all continuously figuring that out. At least Mm -hmm. I am. Um, But, what, what might you say to somebody who's like, I just didn't expect this. I didn't think it was going to be this way, you know? Yeah. Um, some of it is
1: allowing yourself to feel disappointed mm. and to feel yeah. sad about it um, because we really do create suffering for ourselves when we say, I shouldn't feel like this or, you know, like try and be positive all the time. Like that's, that's not reality. So give yourself permission to just feel sad about it or feel disappointed Mm -hmm. or feel mad about it. Um, Number one, number two, remember that this doesn't last forever. The feelings don't last forever. This too shall pass. If you're feeling super awesome, yep, that's, that's going to go too. If you're feeling (laughs) way down in the, in the depths of grief, like that's going to pass too. Um, so to allow yourself to feel that and understand, like, I'm not going to feel like this forever. Um, and then to, to really pay attention to the, the things that we're thinking about, if we're saying, um, it shouldn't be like this, like, well, it is like this. And so, I mean, kind of like tough cookies, Morgan, um, (laughs) if you're going to, if you're going to fight against reality, you will lose every time. So am I, am I going to be willing to accept things as they are to look at it in the face and say, "Okay, this is happening. Now what? Instead of, I don't want this to happen. I don't want this to happen. I don't want this to happen. Like eyes wide open. This is happening.
0: Now what? Now what? Yeah. And then what might I learn from it? Right. What may Mm. I do with it as time goes on? What, you know, Maybe we can get curious about those things and say, mm. you know, where is this going to go, or where might this lead me that I hadn't previously thought. Which is the cool part of embracing our lives, right? I think. I mean, yeah, I for sure. Curiosity is curiosity is key. It's curiosity key. makes uh, makes everything open up. It sure does. I I yep. think for me, it's probably been I would say the number one most important part of my journey is the choice to be curious because mm. then there's not a dead end, right? It's like okay, and now what? And now what? Yeah, you know, and um, and knowing that we're always we can move through things instead of like you said, there's not these dead ends. So, mm. um, so kind of before we close, I always ask people this one question. So I'm going to ask you, and then I want you to tell people where they can find you and we'll put, put, you know, all your info in the show notes, but I want people to be able to connect with you too. So I, I ask all my, my guests, what tool or piece of advice has served you the best in becoming the person you are today?
1: Hmm. what tool or piece of advice has served me the best in becoming the person i am today asking myself what's possible
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> what's possible and i just repeating this again like you said it's it's getting curious hmm um I know that's not really like a great tool <laughs> it is though <laughs> but I think it is just, yeah just that self-talk yeah. like just get curious and even that applies to to like uh behavior patterns or like emotional responses to things like mm-hmm. oh, I yelled at my kids okay get curious about that yeah I, I cried or I snapped at my spouse or I, I put my foot in my mouth when I was talking to my friend, like, just get curious about that. Remove the layer of shame that says I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have felt like that or whatever. I mean, okay. Yeah. Deal with that too, but get curious and say like, why, why, why did I do that? Why am I motivated to do these things? Why do I want these things in life? That's,
0: that's a huge gift, huge gift. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So tell people where they can find you so that they can find your amazing business and follow along with your journey. Yeah. So I'm hanging out on Instagram,
1: um, at Annika interiors. It's a N N I K a that's Annie's name. Her whole name is Annika. Um, so Annika interiors on Instagram, also sweet bee coaching, uh, for business and, and life advice. And then, uh, annika interiors.com is my website or sweetbeecoaching.com.
0: Awesome. Morgan, you are an incredible woman. I love everything that you're doing. Um, I'm inspired by you. And I know that anyone who listens to this will be too. So thanks for making the time to be with me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. This was so fun. It was so fun. We'll do it again. (laughs) Yes, please. Thank you for joining me here on the HeartStrong Podcast please rate and review this podcast and share an episode that you love with a friend. And when you do, it helps us continue our mission of encouraging people to grow through the challenges in their lives. This podcast is brought to you by the Ethan Lindberg Foundation and the HeartStrong Collective. To learn more about our work, please visit theheartstrong.com. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the HeartStrong Podcast.